What's up, everybody? Welcome to the 97th draft of the Untitled Movie Podcast. I am one of your hosts, Matt Rohrbeck, alongside Eric is sick today. He had a horrible migraine. Uh, he just messaged me, so it'll just be me for two hours by myself uh, just talking to you all. No, I'm kidding. Uh, today, I have a very amazing, fantastic special guest. He hosts the film podcast In Review twice weekly on YouTube and podcast services, which ranks and reviews your favorite franchises and filmographies, as well as the series Kind of Funny Reactions, which has bite-sized reviews of new TV shows and movies. He is Forbes 30 under 30. Maybe you know him as the second best baby blues in San Francisco. Maybe you know him as the verified one. He is one of the co-founders of Kind of Funny. Tim Gettys, what's up, man? You know, I'm, I'm very sad that that Eric is going through some pain right now. Yeah, but yeah. Uh, I'm happy that even if that were to happen, you know exactly where to go, which is the C team, maybe D team, uh, film <laughs> criticism stop, and stop. and thoughts. But I'm I'm happy to be here with you. It is definitely definitely a pleasure. No, huge fan, huge I, fan. I appreciate this, dude, because we've never done a, a piece of content together. I don't think because like I've been on screencast and you weren't on that episode. I covered for Kevin and was mm -hmm. on with uh nick and joey and then i went on the uh hitman stream because my level and then talked about movies with uh bless and kev I, this first time i talked to kev too and i've been on a couple other things but we've only talked once in toronto when you were here and then kind of we we talked another time so it's so nice to actually do something official with you yes I'm, I'm very excited about that and a little tease uh for fans of the untitled movie podcast next week over on youtube.com slash kind of funny matt's gonna join us for our review of the green knight so you can check that out over there as well i cannot wait i appreciate you having me um i'm excited for us to kind of just see where this conversation goes today because i was telling you before i'm like eric and i we have no fucking idea what we're doing when we do this show. We buy, kind of have a loose kind of thing, but I just kind of wanted to have you on, man. And I'm so excited to talk to you and just like movies are back. We've been talking a I bit on it, Twitter and things like that, going to the theater. So uh, just how you've been in general, like how are things over in San Francisco? I know like it's weird because things are getting better. Now I know with the Delta variant, things are kind of, I don't know how it is in San Fran, but things are starting to open up here eventually like it took a long time here in ontario to open up but we've uh, i finally gone to the movies a few times eric and i have talked about that a lot but you guys have been open for a little longer than us over there uh, too right yeah yeah we have and you know luckily thank god san francisco is one of the best places yes, in the world yeah. to be when it comes to th this whole situation because everybody takes it really seriously and yeah. our vaccination rate is so high yeah. that like of course we're concerned about the delta stuff but like it it, it seems to be less of a concern than than in That's most good. places because like it's, it's really a concern when there's like a problem with the vaccination rates but yeah we're in a place uh that sf and the bay area as a whole is really damn good about it and really good about wearing masks and like keeping your distance whenever possible and all that good, so man. um i been able to go to the theater a whole bunch actually like i was uh just thinking back a couple days ago i was talking to to someone who was about to go to the theater for the first time they're like oh what's the first movie you're gonna see back and i'm like yo i've been to the theater like it feels like 17 yeah, times yeah, yeah. <laughs> like i've seen i've seen a whole bunch of things you know i saw um uh, jigsaw oh wait no no, no spiral spiral yeah, okay from nice. the book of saw <laughs> you know i saw old i saw fast nine black widow uh Amazing. zola uh jungle cruise um uh, green knight twice in theaters um 
whole bunch of stuff. But yeah, I've, I've been going to the frequenting the the movie theaters for sure. Uh, and man, I love to be back. And the coolest thing for me actually is very, very, very close to my house. They just opened up a brand new theater. Oh, um, amazing! And it, it's okay. a Regal theater, which like I'm AMC till I die because I'm okay. a huge Dolby fan. I really, really, really love the Dolby Atmos uh, theater experience. It is unlike anything i've ever experienced in terms of quality like it is definitely a step above many steps above honestly um but the regal theaters i i gotta say i'm i'm really impressed uh with their their offerings and then the quality that they offer with some of the experiences some are more gimmicky than okay. uh, i think that don't necessarily fit every movie like the yeah, 40x yeah. stuff oh is god crazy. i've done 40x i know you guys saw jungle cruise in 40X, which was insane right? and yeah. it, you know it, it works for some movies i can imagine less for others uh they also have this thing called screen x I've done if, Screen X. I, every gimmick, Tim, if it comes yeah. out, I got to try it. You got to try once, it, so. right? Yeah. So I appreciate it's there. But I, honestly, I just I appreciate that the, the, the other auditoriums are, are pretty damn nice and then at least good enough for me to be like, all right, you know what? This is this is worth doing. Um, so because of that, I've been seeing a whole bunch of movies about to see Suicide Squad. Yes. Uh, tomorrow, this, okay. actually, yeah, you get to go see it. I'm seeing it Wednesday morning. So you'll see it a little bit before me. Yeah, yeah man. I'm and pumped. I'm just and then we got Don't Breathe 2 coming yeah. out next week. I'm just I'm happy too. the movies are yeah. back, you know? I know. It was a long year and a half. And I mean, I, I will, I'm sure we'll get into all of this of how media is changing and the day and date releases and all that kind of stuff. But um, I just love having the option. And I, I mean, I, again, I don't think every movie needs to necessarily be seen in a theater. I'm very much a proponent of, you know, however you want to watch and consume movies, you should be able to. Um, but it's just so nice. And I've even had the choice, like Jungle Cruise, we watched at home because I was just like, I, they gave me an option for a screener and I'm like, I don't know if I need to go to a theater to see Jungle Cruise. But the 40X yeah. thing makes sense because of the theme park ride. That's kind of fun. Totally. Like a gimmicky kind of thing. Um, but yeah, we'll get into all that. But yeah, man, I, I agree. Every new gimmick and new theater, like here, AMC left Canada a, a little while ago. So we don't have any AMC theaters. And Cineplex, which is kind of the Canadian uh, cinema chain that kind of has a monopoly over it. So like Eric and I talk constantly of how, you know, I'm so glad it's back, but, um, I think especially now when you're seeing movies kind of have shorter, you know, exclusive release windows, as well as uh, day and date releases that cinema chains really kind of have to step up their game when it comes to presentation and projection experience. and sound. Like you said, the Dolby cinema uh, experience, IMAX stuff is always still one of my favorite uh, kind of ways to see a movie. And then even the regular theater chains just kind of have to make sure that, you know, I, I just going to the movies, again, my favorite place on earth, but um, it, it doesn't necessarily feel special sometimes when you go to these big multiplexes. So I love when I do go, like they opened a theater here called Landmark that took over uh, the old AMC and they renovated it and made it and seemed like they actually give a shit about everything. And that's where mm-hmm. I kind of go see everything now. And if I can go downtown in Toronto, I'll go see uh, mm-hmm. something in the the real IMAX theaters that we have, like uh, Suicide Squads playing in the mm-hmm. IMAX, our screening and things like that. But yeah, I'm just pumped it's back too, man. Like it, it's just been, and everyone's been pretty good about it. Like I like the social distancing, having, you know, three seats. I don't know how they're doing it there, but like um, we have like every other row is empty as well is like three seats beside you on each side is empty and you can buy in pairs and yep. uh the big recliner pretty similar seats. yeah over yeah, here. yeah but Which yeah is man, great. i mean mm-hmm. you know i don't want to go on too much of a tangent with this nope, but we, you know yeah, it's, it's like good, I, and i know that that's kind of what the show is <laughs> yeah. to an extent but like i i'm i'm so fascinated by uh 
the just kind of social changings of how films are developed and TV shows as well. And like what the streaming wars are, are yeah. doing to movies and how they're, they're being created differently, right? Yeah. Like the, the, the bottom line and, and the, the, the goal of these films from a financial perspective has shifted dramatically from what it used to be. And it's going to keep changing. Like we haven't really found that, that, that answer no. yet of, of like, what is bad? What's the one size fits all that we've, have been using for since the dawn of movies, right? Where it's like there, there's always been this idea that movies come to theaters. They are in theaters for three months three or months, whatever yeah, it is. Usually. Then it get, comes to home release. And then over time, once streaming became a thing, then it's like, okay, you can rent them digitally. But like there still was that three-month window. Yeah. And then Even then people, it might have shortened to like two months where you could rent it on digital or exactly. something early. Yeah. Yeah. So they've been experimenting with little things. But like the core was every movie has the same structure of release. And over time, back in the day, there was the idea of a straight-to-VHS movie or a straight-to-DVD right. movie. That was lesser then. Yeah, you know, or made exactly. for TV movie. That's lesser than. But we're hitting this weird moment where because of streaming platforms and because of the budgets and money that are being thrown behind them, whether it's HBO Max or Netflix or Disney Plus yeah. or whatever, there are movies that are coming exclusively to streaming. So in essence, made for TV, but they are on the same level and being marketed and presented as if they're theatrical films. Yeah. So that's this, this weird moment where – Everyone's trying to figure out what's best for the industry. And and so many people are are getting nicer and nicer home setups. We're getting to the point where I mean, look at behind you, right? I mean, I'm lucky. <laughs> I'm very, very lucky. And I, you know, I, I don't count myself as as the norm when it comes to that stuff. Like I am lucky that my life goal was to have a sure. home theater. I mean one of mine as well. Yeah. <laughs> and and I didn't I've been lucky enough to obtain that goal over time. But like even all my friends have 4K TVs at the very sure. least. They might yeah. not be the fanciest ones, but we're at the point that a normal person's TV is at least 45 inches. Yeah. Right? That is a significant change from where we used to be, where that would have been reserved for the rich, right? Exactly. So we're getting to a point where more and more people are getting 65-inch TVs as a norm, and we're going up to 100 inches for relatively reasonable prices. The home experience is going it's to getting be, closer it's getting closer, closer and closer yeah. for the normal person yes, right exactly. there's always going to be people that want the biggest and the best and the, the sound and all that stuff but there's a ton of people that are happy enough watching something on a laptop so if exactly. you're telling me that they can watch <laughs> a brand new movie on a hundred inch screen yeah they're gonna be like why would i ever go to a theater so and you eliminate all those things like kind of the shitty parts of going to the movies whether it's distractions of people on their phone or talking or whatever the you know i i think audiences i've obviously changed and my whole thing of of being you know supportive of the give the people the choice is that not that you i don't want to sound like the pretentious asshole who's like weed out those people who don't give a shit and and the people who do go on their phones they can watch it at home cuz i think you'll always have those mm-hmm. people there but yeah you make a great point where i think like people have gone oh why do people not care about it anymore it seems like you know box office keep going down although we keep breaking records in other ways and, and different things like that so it contradicts itself but like yeah like if you see back in the day when everyone had a fucking tiny ass tv at home of course going to the movies where you saw something in widescreen and it was properly masked and it had this amazing sound was this glorious kind of magical experience where to your point now everyone's getting closer and closer maybe yeah it's not nearly what you would get in a cinema, but a 4K TV with a decent sound bar is going to be good enough to most people or even on their phone or their laptop. So yeah, yeah it is. Um, it, it's 
I don't know what the ideal thing It's something we talk about a lot, like of, and my whole pitch for, and I, I'm curious of what you think, Tim, because you are a guy who has an amazing theater behind you, but you still love going to the movies yeah. and with everything, you know, we'll get into the Scarlett Johansson kind of suing Disney thing, which I think ties into this uh, conversation of, you know, day and date and watching things at home. Um, I just want to see like, what would your ideal kind of exclusive window or how, you know, studios tackle this kind of thing? Cause I've pitched for the longest time that if we go back to how the movies were, what I'm talking about, where it was this special kind of experience, like I like, um, roadshow experiences and making the cinemas more like theater, like live theater to the point where I think the middle ground is going to be kind of, you know, axed out those kind of mid budget to low budget movies, I think are the ones that will be in indie art house cinemas and you can rent at home. And then I like the idea of having, you know, the Marvel movies, the MCU, the big Disney stuff, all the big studio stuff, Dune, whatever, as these kind of like two week kind of event kind of things where you make it this big kind of experience, this roadshow experience where it's like this movie is playing in theaters for two weeks. Let's make it special. Let's give you the, the extra fucking program thing. Let's do this and make it this big kind of event for a couple weeks and then just go straight to, you know, V not VOD, but however the hell you want to watch it. And that's how I always envision that it could be a cool way of like shortening that window, but still, you know, for the hardcore people who need to see stuff right away, they're going to go in those first two weeks. And I feel like box office kind of drop off after the first couple weeks anyway. So I don't know what you think of like what the ideal like exclusivity window is for cinemas or how we should be like kind of putting this stuff out there. But I'm curious on your thoughts. Well, so here's my thing. My biggest fear with the state of Hollywood right now is that people get so used to getting things for very cheap or free that's fair the value of them drops so low that there's no reason for a movie to have a budget of hundreds of millions of dollars and that it it will change the quality and budget that goes into big projects right and we've kind of seen the opposite of that happening on the tv side where more money is being invested whether it's the disney plus marvel show star wars shows whatever or because of all the other streaming services more and more projects getting the game of thrones level of a budget we have last of us was just announced to be like the most expensive tv show ever made or something (laughs) there's there's that and then we have the the lord of the rings series coming to to amazon just dropped today so it's like we're we're seeing this shift to more kind of like long-term gains for these companies because they know that like if they put that much money into something that's a week after week investment that they're going to be getting for subscription services. That's where the money's going to come. And that's where it gets a little bit harder to pirate as well, because it's not just one thing people are pirating that you're losing money on. It is 10 episodes that, you know, just kind of like, um, it adds obstacles and hurdles uh, for the the people that are trying to take the money uh, from pirating or whatever. But for movies, I really wonder what is the future for them if everything were day and date digital? Yeah. That ups the piracy. We've seen that with Black Widow not being yeah. released in China because of the political landscape and because yeah. of everything. Yeah. We're seeing such huge hits for that movie's uh, financial gains. And mm-hmm. because of that, what's that mean for the future of the MCU? So I mm-hmm. feel like there isn't a one-size-fits-all fit, yeah. situation, unfortunately. And I think that that could potentially change. And my fear is it's going to change uh, big blockbuster movies forever. Having said that, 
that is a fear because I'm afraid of change. That is a fear because I'm, I'm, I want what has always been and I want that to continue. But that doesn't necessarily mean that whatever we change to is going to be worse. In no, fact, yeah. it might be better. And it might change the way we look at these event movies. And uh, to your point about you know theaters kind of becoming this thing where if they were to change the release schedule of maybe a two-week period, because like you said, there is the big drop-off for the box office. The big problem with that is that drop-off never used to be this sharp after two That's weeks true. Yeah. Uh, in a pre-corona world. So people are just getting used to different things, expecting different things. But the reality is the money has to be there or else yeah. these movies will not be made this way. But I again, like to, not to keep going in circles here, I don't mm. know that that's a bad thing. Movies will just be made differently and we'll go forward from that. But I do think that there are enough tentpole movies happening at all times now between the big studios. Look at all the big franchises, right? Like the James Bonds, the Fast and Furiouses, the MCU, obviously, the DC, the, the like the Sony uh, superhero verse, like all that. There are enough movies coming week after week that theaters could look to a model that really promotes those as spectacle events mm-hmm. uh, in a bigger way than they even have been. The problem with that is, is that enough to make theaters worth taking no, up they, the real estate yes, and the, exactly. the amount of money that they need to make uh, to be able to not just survive, but to thrive? Because we're talking about a multi-billion dollar industry, right? Like billion dollar per movie industry um, In when things are, are hitting right. Like we need to remember that the year before Corona, 2019, we're hitting Was, all-time yeah. highs. Yeah, that's of true. Multiple yeah. movies hitting a billion dollars. Yeah, that's even insane. with inflation and everything, it's still nuts. And yeah. and yeah, you make a good point of whether that's like. And I don't feel like the multiplexes and stuff like that. I think those big companies like AMC and Cineplex here in Canada will just kind of have to pivot and figure their shit out. Of like, all right, well, maybe we can't have 24 cinema theaters anymore. Maybe it's not that much of a multiplex. Maybe it is downsizing. Maybe it's, I don't know what it is. Or, uh, But we're so used to these giant multiplexes with so many cinemas taking up so much real estate, to your point, that uh, I just don't know how um, we're going to be able to continue. And, and to your point with the budgets and shrinking, and, and I could see that happening. But I mean, we talked, we're going to talk about Green Knight over on, on your channel. And, and that's a movie that was $15 million, but I think looks way more expensive than that. Mm-hmm. And they had to kind of be creative with that budget because A24 can't throw out 200 million dollars to their movies and their creators have to kind of a very different movie than an mcu movie or anything Mm -hmm. obviously but to your point of of being more creative with a smaller amount of money doesn't necessarily mean that you're it's going to be a worse movie it's just the people have to be more creative with it and hopefully we get great stuff out of it but it'll be interesting to see kind of where it goes and who the fuck knows everything changes month to month or or year to year especially in this time and i think we're in this massive this time period right now is the biggest change i think we've seen in this industry in a very long time and i don't know whether we look at the music industry with how they kind of had to pivot after you know napster and, and downloading music and moving to subscription services mostly and like i don't know anyone who goes and i there are people i'm just not a huge movie guy or a music guy but like buying albums anymore it's like everyone just has either spotify mm-hmm. or or apple music or or whatever and they kind of move to that and the music industry has pivoted to kind of make that successful right so and i can kind of see that uh, in film it's just people don't like change and you're seeing that with theater owners you're seeing that with audiences and especially 
giving someone something and then trying to take it away is hard too, right? With totally. H- like HBO or Warner Brothers giving all their movies for free and then going, oh, we're not going to do that anymore. Disney doing premiere access for a couple movies and then going, oh, we're not going to do it anymore. So it'll just be interesting to see how this nets out. It, it definitely is. And I will say, I, and I don't think this is going to happen. But just for a fun hypothetical, let's talk sure. about it. Yeah. Can you imagine? Because we're in this like p- push and pull where theaters need the big studios to release movies and to work with them and to have exclusive windows or else yeah. why would people go to the theater, right? Yeah. So it is this tandem thing of like they need each other for – like Disney can only get a billion dollars from a theater if they are playing nice with the theater, yeah. giving them what they want. At what point do they just go, fuck it, it's not worth it. We're changing the game. We don't give a shit about theaters. Yeah. Everything is only Disney Plus, whether yeah. it's premium access or yeah. just just Disney Plus. You get the movies. You get the Loki TV show. You also get Shang-Chi. It's just there. Yeah. And it changes the entire way we think about um, movies in the same way that you know Napster happened and then turned to iTunes and then it turned to where we're at now with Spotify and everything and Apple Music and Tidal mm-hmm. and all that where uh, to your point it's like people aren't looking at albums necessarily the same way they were it's all about singles single 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 yeah. single what's yeah. the next what's the next what's the next we're already kind of dealing with that on the streaming side more so with TV but mm-hmm. movies are there too right yeah. and when we see Netflix how it's kind of shifted and changed its original content lineup over the last couple of years and and with the rise of Disney Plus being this like insane thing that it is, which is yeah. this IP powerhouse, yeah, yeah, and yeah. they have the install base. At at what point is the money there or not there? You know, I don't know. Like, I just think there's there's something interesting that they could totally just change the game. They'll take a hit now, but if you get everyone hooked on Disney Plus forever, you have this guaranteed user base that's just going to pay till the end of time yeah and they have the money to do it right like these big companies like disney and apple amazon you know the biggest hbo warner brothers uh, i mean i know they just sold the discovery again or whatever but um i think they have the money to kind of take that initial hit if they were to say you know what fuck you guys like we can make more money this way they'll have to obviously renegotiate contracts for movies that are already going and things like that which they didn't do which is why they're being sued um but yeah, it, it, I, I could see that or I could see them buying theater chains because I know there was a recent, I think, rule. 100%. Um, I think that that wasn't allowed for a long time, but I think recently they kind of rescinded that rule saying that studios could now buy theaters and theater chains. And I know mm-hmm. Disney owns, you know, the the one theater in Los Angeles, what the... Um, is it the Chinese theater that they own? I Which think so. Are, yeah. 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 Um, but they don't own like a, a, a series of chains. So I could see if they eventually do that, then forcing the hand of an AMC. And I know, you know, different theater chains have str- struggled through this. And I could see an Apple or even a Disney or someone buying one of these theater chains and just going, you know what, we'll play by our own rules now and we'll kind of force your hand. Because if we just say we don't need you anymore, you're going to go out of business. So now we'll kind of, and it, it makes them sort of look bad, but. Oh, I mean, I it mean, makes them look horrible. Yeah. yeah. And, you know, <laughs> But I mean, but that is just the reality we're talking about with with business and with everything. But like, yeah, your point is is so valid. And like, imagine a future where Disney theaters is just a thing. And that kind of answers a lot of the questions um, that that we raise of like the how would this work and what's going to happen? Because, yeah, if they did that. And their th- their movies were exclusive to these Disney theaters and to Disney Plus, whether it's premium yeah. access or otherwise. Like, holy shit, there's a model there that is insane for them yeah. to make a, in- a ridiculous amount of money where they don't need to split it with others and, and blah, blah, blah. I can see that getting interesting with international markets. I don't know how that would all work. 
yeah, uh, subscription have, models and things like that. I think about too, like if Netflix were to b- buy a theater or Amazon and be like, okay, well, if you have Prime or a Netflix subscription, you get to go for free or whatever, or get X amount of movies like that with Movie Pass or AMC Stubs or, or whatever. Yeah, it was interesting. Called. But the um, Disney thing is interesting to me because it's like we're at a point that Disney itself has so much blockbuster potential yeah. with the Pixar movies, with their animated movies, with their live action movies, mm-hmm. um, both the live action remakes, remakes of the animated things and, and their sequels original like stuff, Cruella yeah. and whatever, the amusement park ride movies like Jungle Cruise and soon to be uh, Tower of Terror again and yeah. the Pirates movies, whatever, yeah. on top of just there are other Disney and Fox movies, remember? Yeah, yeah <laughs> is now I know. A thing, yeah. Right? We have Avatar coming out, like, which I know yeah. everyone has thoughts one way or another, but like, th- that is a. I'm very curious to see how that will do, but yeah. Absolutely. Doesn't matter. Like, it's going to it's do still, better than yeah. a lot of other movies sure. would, an, an average movie would. And then, of course, MCU and, of course, Star Wars. It's like they their level of IP and their level of. Uh, giant film franchises that they can kind of have their own theater and constantly have big blockbuster titles and yeah. smaller titles playing at all times including imagine if just in theaters hey fuck it lion king's playing yeah 1994 oh, totally. lion king you know? i think like, that's what would happen right because yeah. you've seen that even at their theme parks they do a good job at kind of mixing their older stuff and new stuff and i think there's the that's the key yeah. word right there is theme parks i yeah. do think and i've said this before on, on screencast a couple of years ago like Imagine if what you're talking about this roadshow idea uh, mm-hmm. for movies to make it the special experience where if Disney theaters, if they treated it more like a a attraction, like a Disneyland yes. type thing. And where they're they the make best it at this, that. <laughs> this, 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 they're the best. Make it this new destination event that's like you got to go to the theater for to see the Shang-Chi, to see eventually Avengers 5, you know, like. Holy crap, they they could really own a whole new type of market by creating theaters being this more, I don't want to say interactive experience, but like an experience to themselves, just the physical place yeah. that is where you get to watch the movies. I don't know. That would be really crazy. Scary for corporations, scary for them having smaller movies, of a either, vertical, either, yeah. smaller independent movies and smaller studios and stuff. I think it's kind of scary uh, for play, people who want to have their movies in theaters, but you know, might not be a Disney movie or an Amazon movie or a Netflix mm-hmm. movie or a Warner movie. But like, and then I've always said like, even them buying Fox and having searchlight as their kind of indie label, like is always interesting to me because I feel like that's almost, I don't want to call it minor leagues or something something using a sports um, kind of analogy, but like, I like the one for you, one for me kind of thing where someone like a Taika Waititi or, or someone that they've worked with goes, okay, you do a Marvel movie for us and we'll give you a good budget to make your weird fucking movie for searchlight. And you can, and so film like for the people who, you know, Hollywood and, and IPs are, you know, I'm not on that camp, but are ruining, you know, film in general of the, for the artsy crowd and stuff like that. And again, I, I don't, I want all of that to survive. So even the rumors of, you know, Apple buying a 24 or something like that, like I hope this stuff, like weirder, smaller movies will continue even if we move to something like that. And then that's why the Fox thing as kind of scary as it was being like Disney's going to own so much. Like I think there's some good that can come from that because if they foster, you know, and do believe in film and not just big IPs, but in filmmakers and stuff like that, like I think there could be an interesting um, kind of future for this one for you, one for me kind of thing of like, you know, you find great filmmakers and even like a Barry Jenkins who won uh, for Moonlight, right? And then he's doing Lion King 2. Mm-hmm. It's like one of those things you develop these relationships with great filmmakers and they can make, you know, great 
big blockbuster fun popcorn movies for Marvel, Star Wars, etc. But then can kind of make their weird Fox Searchlight movie or something like that, and then that can kind of live in these Chloe places. Zao, too. Right? Yeah, there you go with Eternals later this year, right? Like just winning for Nomadland, and that's the the perfect example. Like she does that for Searchlight, and then go okay, come do Eternals for Marvel, and then um, and I hope we get more of that kind of stuff too. So it's going to be fascinating, dude. I don't know. I love going to the movies. I hope it never goes away. I don't think it ever will. Yeah, no, I don't. I don't either. And uh, you know, actually, one point that I did want to make yeah. is the having been to the theater as many times as I have recently. Like, I again have a home theater in my house that I use yeah. every single day. I'm not yeah. one of those people that have a home theater in their house and are just like, oh, we're gonna do a movie night. It's like, yeah. no, me and my fiance every single night are in Watch here. Something, whether yeah. we're watching some bullshit reality TV yeah, yeah. or a movie or our weekly TV shows that we keep it. up with. Yeah. We're, this is our main. TV, yeah. right? Yeah. And and having said that, being in a theater is such a different experience. Even though I've been to theaters that my theater is actually better than oh, totally. Like in yeah. terms of quality. <laughs> There's been a couple times now where I'm just like, oh my God, like I would actually have a more quality experience at home. Uh, but just that little simple fact of you can't use your phone. Yes. You can't talk well, you're not to someone. supposed to. <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah, but like I'm gonna stick with you can't. Yeah, yeah, right? yeah I agree with you. Just that changes your experience so much even if you want to tell yourself hey i'm in control of my my own thing i cannot talk to people i cannot use the phone i can put my it's yeah, not right, the reality. Dude. Yeah. You're still distracted by it. You're distracted by the idea of having it. And like I I could tell you that firsthand. Like I have enjoyed movies so much more because I'm just I'm in it. Dude, you know I'm and I, you. I can't yeah. do anything else. And like that is something that I would have never ever given credence to a couple years ago. I would have been like dude I could just if I'm at home, I just won't use my phone. Yeah. yeah that's no, impossible, man. I agree. After doing it for a year and a half and trying to do it professionally too, of like getting screeners for everything, like I was so happy to go back, even for a movie like, you know, the Matt Damon movie, Stillwater that came out. Like I remember we went to, that was our first press screening back and going to it. And I'm like, I could have watched that movie at home. But then talking with Eric, he's like, and Eric's good. Eric is like hardcore where if he's at home, he will not fucking touch his phone. He like turns mm-hmm. it off and puts it in another room. I'm not that strong. <laughs> Like I have it and I, I'm with you where I go, I'm not going to touch it. But then I'm like, I'm going to take a quick break and go to the bathroom and then check my phone for a second or I'll like, or if it's a movie that I'm not reviewing and I'm just watching passively, then I'm watching it passively and I'm on Mm -hmm. my phone, I'm on Twitter watching it, yada, yada, yada. So I totally agree with you, but then it's just a mental state of going into that cinema I know I'm not taking out my phone because I hate when other people do that. So I will not do that. I will not talk to someone. I will not do that. So I'm a thousand percent with you, which I think just makes you pay attention to the movie more. I think it makes you appreciate it a little bit more. And I know everyone's different, but I'm on the exact same page. I mean, I'll tell you right now that The Green Knight so far is my favorite movie of the year. I love that. I don't think that that would be true if I watched it at home. Because its pacing is challenging. And I feel like it it, is. Yeah, Yeah, it requires you to be in it. And if yeah. you're not in it, like it, it's not going to work. So, yeah. and again, a lot of that's a me problem, not the movie oh, totally. problem, not a whatever. But, and, and I, and I do want to say, it's like, I'm not saying that, that that is the only way to watch a movie and no, the right way to watch too. a movie. Yeah. Even it's like, I like giving people options. And if you don't want to fully invest in it, that's totally cool. And I, I like that we're moving more and more towards a place where, especially like at most, we're at a point that 45 days is the uh, release like cycle it for it yeah, to, to yeah. come to things. And there are more and more platforms that it's, not even a SVOD. It's just straight up. If you have Paramount Plus, A Quiet Place Two's here. Yeah, you know, yeah. like that is impressive. After, it that was is 
crazy. Was it 45 days for that too, to be yes. just on Paramount? Yeah, yes. that's great. Yeah, because yeah, it was on Prime Video here because our Paramount Plus is just just dog shit. There's nothing gotcha. on it. Yeah. It's and, so and, and weird. And that's the problem. Stuff. Or That's not the problem, but like where another we're at right issue. now. Yeah. Yeah. Another issue on top of all of it. It's like, and I, sorry that we're now 30 minutes into this. Oh, and we're no, just I freaking, don't. Whatever. We're talking about Who cares? <laughs> not even what's on the run of show here. I don't but care. Like, I'm loving this conversation. Like yeah. I'm so interested in not next year, but five years from now. Yes, exactly. Where's Paramount yeah. Plus going to be? Where's Peacock going to be? Netflix, yeah. Apple TV. Will they all even Disney be around? Plus, HBO Max. And, and the thing is, will they be around? And what will they be doing unique? Do they need yeah. to do anything unique? Or is there going to be a middle ground that they all understand and meet at? And we have a new normal where it's yeah. like you just expect some 45 like days specific later you get, thing yeah. from, from, from each, each of the different services, both TV and movie-wise. But right now, we're stuck in this fledgling place where things have been one way for so long that to try to change them requires a lot of shifting both in a domestic and international sense and that, that's what you're talking about your paramount plus being radically different than our paramount plus yeah america versus we don't Canada. have hbo max so you don't even not, have hbo yeah. max like yeah. all of these little things add up to being huge problems when you're looking at this holistically even disney plus right now yeah. being what it is in america but in other places it has disney plus with star and oh, we like, have that here so we and, have star here so i mean that's incredible the yeah. idea that like deadpool and all those things like the yeah. uh, logan are all on disney plus is so awesome that like i hate that we have hulu and disney plus if it was all just one thing it would yeah. just make it such a stronger i think we'll get there i think we're still to your point in that five years i think we will get there because I think they're dealing with a lot of the contracts that they've made over 100%. the last 10 years. And I think we're even seeing that here. Years. Yeah, that's true. But I mean, even in a streaming sense specifically, because I worked at a streaming service for uh, two years until it went under, like right as streaming services started popping off after Netflix started to get big. And it was a Canadian one called Show Me. And I just remember working on the content side there. And it was just, yeah, it was such a clusterfuck of like what we could have compared to what was available in the US here, what studios have made deals with TV stations and then they were on you know vod on tv stations so you couldn't have it here and i think we're seeing kind of that trickle through and especially with like you know in canada disney didn't have you know any of those hulu deals on a lot of things certain things aren't available but like and all of their movies that where they were able to go oh we do own the rights to that in canada but in other countries you don't and you're kind of seeing yeah i think it's going to take a while where they're like uh, for HBO, uh, uh, we have another streaming service called Crave here, which mm-hmm. gets all the HBO stuff. But the HBO Max stuff wasn't included because that, you know, mm-hmm. it was created after. And then we had to rent everything for $25 that was on the uh, HBO Max for free. And I think we're going to start to see, you know, movie studios start to go, okay, let's stop making these deals and think about where we want to be at in three to five years. And if we want to have control of everything. And we're seeing that a little bit with, you know, uh, wasn't Disney and um, made a deal for with Sony, but then Sony made a deal with Netflix. So it yeah. was like this it's weird waterfall waterfall thing of going, we'll have the window because we don't have a streaming service. We'll give it to Netflix for a bit and then it'll eventually go to Disney Plus. So it's just, yeah, I, it's complicated and I, I can't wait to see where we are in three to five years and kind of see, you know, how theaters adjust, how streaming services adjust because I do think that there are too many of them. And I think that, you know, certain, you know, not everyone is Disney. Not everyone is, I think Netflix even weirdly could be the one that's struggling in five to 10 years because I feel like they got so ahead of the game that everyone got to learn from them. And then they've kind of been struggling to find, 
you know, their next like just their first franchise when it comes to movies. And I know they have the big event series like Stranger Things and different things like that. But I'm fascinated to see like out of anyone I could see struggling in the next five to 10 years. I'm like, I could see net, but they have so much money that I feel like it's, they'll be able to throw it around. It's interesting, man, because like I'm, I'm right there with you to an extent. I do think that the idea that there's too many streaming services, yeah. uh, I'm not going to argue against that. Cause I think that just as a fact, that is true. Yes. But I, I think that what we have now, like the core ones. Sure. And like, I feel like, the majority of people can agree that there is this core list. Like, of yep. course, there's things like Shutter and like more specific the niche, niche one, things. Criterion Channel, yeah, yeah. and stuff those are like always going to yeah. exist. And that's just th- those are just options. But like, I think the core ones we're we're talking about Apple TV, HBO Max, Disney Plus slash Hulu, uh, uh, Netflix, and Prime uh, Video, uh, Prime Video, yeah. and Paramount Plus, and HBO Peacock. Max, yeah, and HBO Max. Those to me, like that is the pantheon. I know I just named a lot of things. But that's a lot of content. Like we are paying for – if you're paying for all of those services, I guarantee you, you are getting more for each one of those than you have ever gotten in the past because From of how much is being or anything. put into yeah. it, right? Yeah. So it's like the argument of people of like, oh, man, I, I'm paying as much as I used to for cable. It's like, yeah, well, back on cable, you got maybe across all of the channels three to four event shows a year. Now you're getting three to four event shows a week, it feels like. Yeah, yeah. Right? So you're getting so much more. Uh, the Netflix piece there is is interesting because, like, your point's right. I think at, they were the first. They nailed it. They understood. Like, they created what the, the model the, is. The model is. Yeah. But over time, that model was based on library content like The Office yeah. and then original series like Stranger Things and House of Cards yeah. and stuff. And over time, as everyone else learned from that, they took their library content back. Yeah. So yeah. now you find that stuff on, you know, like all the kid content that people used to go to Netflix. Guess what? They're on Disney yeah. Plus now. Yeah. And The Office is on Peacock and Friends is on HBO Max. Like all these things are being taken up, gobbled up, but they still have a lot going for them. And I oh, think totally. that to Netflix's credit, they've done a really good job of adapting and changing and creating to every single year adding some new level of type of content that they are owners of. Oh, totally. Whether or not you want to hear this, Netflix has redefined reality TV in the last couple of years. And it has been insane to the point that now HBO Max is coming out with its own reality TV yeah. show to compete. So I think Netflix is going to be around. They're making really smart moves. They're making new verticals that – And I'm probably thinking ones, of my bubble of stuff to. that I enjoy maybe. But like you make a good point of that there's so – Netflix puts out so much. They try to do something for everyone. And there's probably a whole subsect, of, yep. again, of comedy specials, of reality exactly. shows, of – of and maybe they're not nailing the film part of things, but I think they're trying. But and so, I mean, when it comes to, I mean, they've been doing well at the Oscars and things like that, and they've mm-hmm. get, been giving. I, I have a, a news thing on here that they're trying to scoop up Nolan, which I don't think will happen, but um, they're trying really hard to convince him to come over after he kind of had problems with Warner after the HBO Max thing. But um, yeah, their film side, at least from the franchise, you know, big kind of studio stuff hasn't really been working but the oscary kind of artsy side has but yeah yeah. so they got the oscar stuff down and like you bring it up stand-up comedy like that one but that is yeah exactly (laughs) uh but that's an important important point it's like that's exactly what i'm talking about is they 
brought back stand-up comedy yeah, specials. That's, like, yeah, that's those true. were things that were huge in the 90s on Comedy Central, and then HBO kind of had a couple of its major hits. But like Netflix for a while was every week there'd be a stand-up special coming out. And like that spoke to a large group of people. Mm-hmm. So if they can find these new types of content and put them in front of the audience that they have, like they're going to be just fine. Doing oh, know, something yeah. that's a little bit different than the other guys. And I think that that is a very healthy Oh, everyone should be doing something different, right? You got to kind of find your niche. And like, again, I think Bo Burnham's Inside is probably my favorite film of the year. And then, oh my God. If you count um, that as a film, that's my I, number one. For I know sure. that's what I, I, it's probably shouldn't be counted as a film, but it played theatrically for like a week. And I true. mean, I think it is very cinematic. So I'm still calling it my favorite film of the year, but then even their partnership with Sony and having like Mitchell's versus the machines on there, which I know is originally supposed to be in theaters and because of COVID went to Netflix. But um, I think their partnership with Sony will really benefit both of them uh, as well so yeah i mean it's 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 a really exciting and scary time i guess but like it's um i i think we will be in a, a really kind of cool place in a few years and it'll be interesting to kind of see how everything uh nets out and i again i don't think cinemas are going anywhere there's always going to be even if they drastically change and maybe they multiplexes kind of go away and you see more like you know, independent theaters pop up or one to five cinema screens pop up and the bigger ones go away. I think that's also kind of okay. And um, the people who want to go to the movies will al- always, I think, have that. And even mm-hmm. if it becomes kind of more of a, a, a niche thing. Um, Tim, we can move on though, but like what else have you been um, watching? I know there's a lot of movies you listed off that you went to the theater. We can talk about any of them because I'm curious about your opinion or what you, have you been watching lately? TV, games, anything you want to talk about, man? Uh, the two shows that I would love to talk about, one briefly and one a little bit more in depth. Uh, the briefly one is Dave season yeah. two. Uh, been watching it. Huge fan. Could not be a huger fan of season one um, and of Lil Dicky just as a whole. I agree. I've uh, been following his career since the beginning and to see what he's created with the show, him and his team. It's yeah. just utterly fantastic. Uh, going into season two, which is wrapping up soon. Uh, I think we have two, two episodes, more episodes left, right? Yeah. Um, I've been totally, totally in. Having said that, I do think that it is uh, pretty unanimous response that this season feels weaker than the the last season um the first couple episodes i thought were like i did not like the first couple episodes yeah right like i think for specifically episodes one and two i was like oh these would definitely be my two least favorite episodes of the show so far completely but i think that since then they've really gotten back to season one quality like i think almost without fail um, but I think that the, that setup of the uh, beginning of the season and just kind of the story that was uh, from that um, foundation kind of makes every single episode make me question, go like, uh, is this as good as season one? Yeah. And that just is a bad place to be. I think that they're going to stick the landing. I just think that at the end of the day, we're just at a point in his career in the show where he's just so unlikable that yes. it's hard to – be rooting for it and feel as good as we did season one because we're just we wanted to see him win yeah. now it's like i don't want to see him win because he's but been I, kind of I, an I, asshole yeah i get yeah, that. yeah but i think that like that is something that we're going to look back on once the season's wrapped and is not going to be as much of a criticism i think it's going to make sense and fit the world that they're building um because the the craft of it all is honestly pretty much unmatched i love it the last episode blew me the fuck away there's last been a couple two episodes moments. i feel like have been fantastic and yeah so yeah i tweeted this out and i thought the season has gotten better and better i think with every episode for me and i'm with you i think uh the first three episodes like the benny blanco episode i just did not vibe with at all either which i think was episode oh, three I, and 
Did you I like loved, it? Yeah, okay. I loved it. <laughs> I think its placement was really yeah. weird. That I think would have played better as like an yeah. episode six of the Maybe, season or something. Yeah. But I love how that to me is what I appreciate most about Dave, which is we are going to just do something crazy yeah. that you've never seen on TV before. Yeah. And it's going to shock you. But I, what I love is and, – and this is – I'm, I'm happy I get to talk to somebody about this because yeah. I, I haven't done this on content yet. That episode I think is going to be written off as – shock for shocks sake. sure yeah but i think the way it comes together at the end and the way they deal with gata specifically yeah and deal with the idea of white privilege of just even the privilege yeah. of conversation uh of being the the freedom to be able to do this shit and and think it's funny That's fair. yeah like that to me made it all worth it and it hit hard for people that i know and the way that they act that's great things yeah. that happen where i was just like oh shit like there's there's a that's really a really really deep conversation going on here that they earned and they okay. can only earn by going as hard and ridiculous as they did. But I can totally understand it being taken as like just too much. <laughs> I think maybe it's undercut a little bit of just Benny Blanco's personality in general, maybe, but like, uh, that's a great point. And I think like, I, again, that e- episode ended in, I, I never wanted to turn it off and go like, I can't watch this show anymore. Like after those first three episodes. And then I feel like with the Kareem Abdul-Jabbar episode onward, I've been kind of completely back on board. And I feel like each episode and, and him just dealing with his, you know, uh, struggling creatively and his, his mental health and everything. I feel like each episode's kind of nailed that Gata's mental health too and his mm. bipolar. And like that one episode where he's just kind of wandering around without his phone is, is, is fantastic. And um, I, I really do think the season has gotten better and better and it's just kind of just interesting him dissecting his own kind of self and and putting it out there in this show and i i've I've loved every episode too for the most part even if those three didn't completely kind of nail where that first season was i feel like the latter half of this season has gotten i totally agree with you where that first season was where um it's just it's so interesting he hasn't done an album since what 2015 right and then and yeah so it's just interesting now going okay i'm not doing that i'm going to turn this into a show and kind of put that out there and and i know he's involved in it's obviously about his life but um yeah i'm a huge fan of his too and it's uh it's been one of the pleasant surprises of tv of the last couple of years i think oh, that absolutely. was under criminally underwatched but i mean yeah i, I mean, mean it sounds I like people that. are watching though yeah like, i guess maybe just like i don't i guess i you're the only person i've really talked about it. my fiance really loves it too which i was surprised at and um but i i just don't hear many people i guess in my circles talking about dave but yeah yeah, I mean, just the way that Hulu promotes it, and okay. FX promotes it and yeah, stuff. Yeah. I, I think, I think that it's, it's, but yeah, it's on Hulu for you guys, right? Yeah, yes. I guess because it's like next day or something. Next is that day what Hulu, they do? Okay, yeah, cool. which is how the majority of people watch them, right? Because sure. us, it's just on, you know, FX, FX. X, FX, yeah, that's which right. is weird because it's owned by a different company here. It's not, it's again. ridiculous <laughs> stuff, man. Uh, but oh, the show that I really, really, really want to talk about is very in a similar vein to Dave but extremely different a flip side it's blind spotting okay um it's a it's a show that is a sequel to the movie that came okay. out in i want to say 2017 maybe 2018 yeah. Let me... uh Rafael Casal David Diggs uh you might know him from Hamilton mm-hmm. and and things like that definitely from that kind of uh group but these are two Two dudes, two best friends that grew up in Oakland, uh, out in the Bay Area, and the the movie was it. I mean, undeniably, it's one of my top three favorite movies of all time. Oh, that's awesome! Period. And I do have uh, a huge bias being from San Francisco, fair, and fair, fair. Being able to relate to it on a level that is just 
unheard of. Like I've never related <laughs> to a movie more. Like they just nail what it's like to grow okay. up here so cool. much. But it's uh, so much more than than that and just connecting to the familiar. It tells such a, a real story, a powerful story, deals with – uh, so many different characters. Uh, Janina Gavankar is in it. She's fantastic. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but it's just it's it's really a really special movie that, uh, in my opinion, has done the best job of kind of uh, dealing with some of the more complex social issues that we've we've had the last couple of years. Yeah, uh, I don't want to spoil too much. I, I definitely recommend everybody watch this movie. Blind Spotting is utterly fantastic. It is so 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 artsy without hitting that level of pretentious douchebagginess yeah, I where it's more just like, Oh, this is, it is adding to a, 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 the plot is as good as the art, which I think is always something that sometimes can get lost. Um, and you either get one or the other, but rarely That's both. Fair. And I think, I think this definitely hits on both. This show um, is a sequel to the movie, but it is uh, the main character instead is one of the main characters from the, the movie's uh, girlfriend and okay. her and their son um, dealing with, him being put into jail and uh the whole it's 10 episodes i think maybe eight episodes uh we have one left uh is all i know and i will eight say episodes it looks like yeah they have not missed every okay, cool. single episode is 10 out of 10 and it is some of the most beautiful art i have ever seen and the plot backs it up they use so many elements i've never seen in any type of performance before where they'll use dance specifically like bay area influenced dance to like tell a story that's happening behind the characters as they're having uh conversations okay with amazingly written dialogue and all this stuff like i sound crazy right now saying all this it's like it's very surreal but like based in reality it's very like a lot of uh breaking out into like spoken word yeah but they yeah. play it off so straight that it just works and you just believe it well, if you as commit if these, to a style right then, exactly yeah. and the style is so stylish <laughs> like it is like okay it is fantastic it's character driven and uh it is definitely going to go down in, in my books it's one of the best shows i've ever seen and i have the feeling i'm going to rewatch the show itself um many many times in my life just like i've done the movie okay cool you sold me yeah because i i haven't I started the blind. I haven't seen blind spotting all the way through, so I should probably go back and watch it. I own oh. it um, because I heard good things when it, I think it might've premiered Tiff here. Um, maybe not. I might be getting that wrong, but I remember hearing good things and uh, I bought it on iTunes. Cause I remember hearing, it might've been even you talking about it, Tim back on the day. Uh, yeah. Barrett, Barrett Courtney's Barrett, the one yeah. that, that put me onto it. And he was like, dude, it's the most Tim Gettys movie of all time. You yeah, have to yeah. watch it. And man, he was so right. Like, it, okay, it's, cool. I'll have it's to go. incredible. And again, it's one of those things where I am so biased and I am like built to love this movie. Sure. But, but Every single person I know that's seen it walks away and is like, God damn, that is something special. I think you could uh, – it could go the other way too of you being from that area and, and stuff like that. You could have been a little bit more you know, uh, uh, critical of it. So it's good that it kind of nailed you know, you know, know, where you're from and, and hit so hard with you because I feel like sometimes people have a, a chip on their shoulder when things are taking place in the area that they grew up and things like that where I feel like – Sure, maybe it's made for you because it's about certain experiences or your locations and stuff like that. But I feel like um, 
sometimes it's harder to win people over if it's from where they're from. So it's great that it landed with you because like, uh, I think maybe that's, I don't know why I haven't finished it or watched it. I remember putting it on one night and, um, and then, you know, when you're just not in a mood for a movie oh, and you're like, totally. I, I don't want to finish this cause I'm not giving it like the right amount of attention or something. Yep. So I, I'm better off just kind of backing away for now. And then when the time is right, I will go back and watch it. Um, but hearing you uh, talk about the show, what uh, it's on stars. Is it's that on it is? stars, which right. is very unfortunate because <laughs> unfortunate. Yeah, uh, yeah. that is one of the most yeah. limited um, I don't even streaming know services, we, at least in America. Stars? I, don't know. I, I am paying for it. Like I'm paying for the Hulu add-on to be able to watch stars content right, <laughs> because right. simply for this show. <laughs> I can't even name probably another stars TV show. So, I mean, that's, I hope it, uh, you know, gets an audience there, but like, I don't even know who owns stars. Like what company yeah, Lionsgate, I, I Lionsgate know, owns man. it. Okay. I get it. Lionsgate. <laughs> that's good, man. Yeah. For me, like I've been watching Dave, like you mentioned, uh, I haven't watched many movies this week. I watched a couple movies, which I'm embargoed for that. I can't talk about. Um, but I'm excited to kind of review those. Uh, give me one sec. I'm going yeah, to keep right talking back. about what go, I've watched. Go for it, yeah, go yeah, for yeah, please. Uh, I've been watching Ted Lasso season two, which has obviously, uh, been fantastic. I feel like again, another one of those shows that I think struggled in that first episode to kind of go, Oh, is this, is this exactly where I want it to be? Um, or is this exactly what I thought the first season was? And it kind of hit me very weirdly of going, man, maybe Ted Lasso season one wasn't as good as I thought. And then as the season has gone on and I, I think we're on episode two or three, uh, that's available for everyone right now. I think it, uh, again, wins you. Ted is so in likable and, and the rest of the cast is so fantastic that it's so such an easy, easy watch. Um, I watched the uh, Woodstock 99 doc that is on Crave here in Canada and on HBO Max in the US. So Eric talked about it last week. Um, Tim, I was just saying that I watched this Woodstock 99 documentary that's on HBO Max. Um, Eric recommended it last week and he said he popped it in and I threw it on Nevis and I um, in bed the other night and uh, I couldn't stop watching. I thought it was great. And I know you're of similar age. I think we're both 89. Uh-huh. Um, babies so uh this was 99 being 10 years old so a little bit before i started getting into this but i i remember that new metal kind of wave of music with limp biscuit and, yep. and all Lincoln those Park yeah and- and so this doc was fantastic it was just a, a wonderful kind of time capsule and this was cool. what eric was saying of like how much it was like you could see the origins of Firefest at of mm. Woodstock 99 because it was just such a shit show. And it's just an interesting kind of time capsule of this really kind of uh, shitty time in music where like ma- white male angst w- and anger was like the forefront. And it kind of just brought all the shittiest people to one festival and it kind mm-hmm. of just turned. I didn't know that this even happened because I guess being 10 years old, I'm not paying attention to Woodstock, but um, it was just kind of so fascinating to see that weekend play out and how some of these bands kind of uh, contributed to kind of the shittiness of um, of this festival. And um, it, it's I definitely recommend it. Eric recommended it last week, which is why I threw it on. And it's super easy watch. It's on HBO Max in the in the US and Crave here in Canada. Awesome, dude. You're, you sold me on that. That sounds super interesting. A, a quick shout out. I want to give for music docs yeah. is the beastie boys documentary yes, on it's great. Apple, apple tv, TV. Plus. yeah spike jones directed it oh yeah. my god it's fantastic yeah. what a great use of the yeah. the format of like it yeah. being kind of like a live stage show with yeah. giant video wall so man couldn't recommend it more yeah i i remember we reviewed that uh because it 
I don't know if it played a festival or if we just reviewed it, but yeah, I loved what that was doing. Cause a lot of the times, um, I feel like with concert movies and, and, and things like that, I'm just like, I, I don't, it's not doing anything cinematic to the point where I think it deserved a movie, but I feel like Spike Jones inserted his style just enough into that with his, like talking to them on the stage and just how, I mean, and obviously the beastie boys personality matches, uh, Spike Jones, but they were just so captivating throughout that whole thing and how they yeah. used the footage and the stage and everything I think actually made for a, fantastic fantastic uh documentary uh and then i've also been watching the white lotus on hbo um which is a new kind of murder mystery series on on hbo uh starring you know a lot of really great names actually like steve zahn i love seeing him pop up uh jennifer coolidge who most people would know maybe a stifler's mom from american pie um the guy who the young guy in the last couple seasons of the office who kind of they poked fun at uh saying he looked like jim um the like intern guy you know in the last couple seasons he's one of the main things alexandra daddario is in it wait Um, evan peters no not evan peters sorry i'm thinking of what's this guy's name uh the white lotus um his name is jake lacy and he played pete miller aka plop on uh, the office oh, in the last couple of seasons, that guy. So he's like one of the oh, leads in yeah. this show. So he's one of the leads and seeing him pop up. I'm like, Oh God, I haven't seen this guy since like the office or maybe he's shown up in little things. Uh, Alexandra Daddario, uh, who else is in it? Uh, Molly Shannon showed up in a guest appearance. Um, and then um, Murray Bartlett is, I think my MVP of the show so far, um, an Australian actor, I think, or maybe he's, yeah, Australian actor who's actually going to show up in the new Last of Us TV show. He just got cast um, as Frank um, in the Last of Us, uh, Bill's oh, Bill's partner. So it's yeah. interesting. We're actually going to see that character, which we didn't necessarily see in the game, but uh, he's been fantastic. And the show, uh, Mike White uh, wrote and directed it, who you guys might know. He showed up on a season of Survivor, but he's also a writer that huh. wrote School of Rock and uh, a bunch of other stuff as well. But um, really fun, kind of a pulpy murder mystery that takes place on a resort. And each episode is like, so it's a week-long vacation that all these rich people go to this kind of four seasons style resort in Miami. And then the show begins with you knowing someone died at the resort. And, um, and basically each episode is one day at this resort kind of showing these different, you know, um, rich people kind of living out their vacation and their dark secrets and the, and the hotel manager who Murray Bartlett plays. And uh, I'm having a blast with it. Cause like another cool. one of those shows where uh, I didn't know what to think at the beginning, but it's kind of that pulpy, trashy kind of eccentric uh, character driven show where everyone is kind of, weird or off and then you're seeing why everyone would have a motive of you know wanting to kill someone else at the resort so like each episode they're dropping little hints of like okay this person's now you know has this on this person or upset at this person at the resort so you're just kind of wondering who is the person who got killed and who killed them um and so it's kind of deconstructing what like a classic kind of murder mystery kind of movie or show is and i'm having a blast with it and again hbo just crushes it nonstop. so it's just after um uh god uh, mayor of east town uh, we were looking for something else and i think did you watch mayor of east town i did not no. it's it's good man i feel like you'd like it but yeah g, um, g watched it and she she was loving it we watched yeah. hacks together oh I, yeah how's hacks because i, I want to oh, watch it yeah oh fantastic 
It, okay. it is a show. I remember you mentioning the Jurassic Park joke, and I was like, it's, I feel like I need to go and watch. Yeah, this. don't want to spoil anything. Yeah. There's just you'll you, when you you'll know you'll know when it happens. But uh, that is a show that is so funny, so clever, and um, every episode is better than the last, and it, it starts great. So okay, give it. You're gonna watch episode one, and I, I really think you're gonna get. Okay, up. cool. I think that's what we'll watch next. Gene Smart's been killing it on HBO. I know you watch Watchmen recently. I just too, watched so. it for the first time. <laughs> yeah. yeah, man, Woo, it's so what good. A show, what a show. Uh, I watched The Leftovers for the first time. Speaking of Damon Lindelof, so oh, um, yeah, uh, I loved it. I thought it was great. Um, so I think that HBO should literally let Damon Lindelof do whatever the hell he wants. But cool. yeah, that's. I mean, I'd be in the Lindelof game. I know people kind of shit on him after Lost, but. Um, you know what I want from him is to only – I mean, whatever he wants to do. I'm not trying to limit yeah, him. But yeah. like, what I would like to see from him is a commitment to HBO-budgeted shows that are one season long, and that's the point. Yep. Because I think you get, nailed that. Yeah. you get lost with things yeah. like Lost <laughs> yeah. uh, when it's you never really know when there's an end, and the more successful the show is, it just means it begets a, a second yeah. season, a third season, a fourth season. When do you just say, no, enough is enough. This is the story I'm telling. And that's why I think that these one-season runs of shows are hopefully going to be a lot more plentiful in the future because I, I think that if you commit to that, that is a – Fair amount of time. We're talking anywhere between six to ten hours of content that can build to tell a a full, complete story, a full world. Like that is something that I've always I'm rarely super impressed with a single movie because it a two and a half hours isn't necessarily enough to right. do all the setup and answering that you need. And when it does, it's something incredibly special. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, and a lot of TV shows overstay their welcome, go way too long. I've liked that we've went from like 26 episodes down to like 13, down to 10, I'm, down to eight, down yeah, to six, six sometimes, yeah. you know, like, yeah. cool. Let's play with the formatting. Let's find what is the right amount for the story we're trying to tell. And I think Watchmen is a perfect example. Of yeah, that. and and unfortunately, with things like Mayor of Easttown and uh, some other stuff, where they're like they're meant as miniseries, but then they get so popular that they're like, oh, maybe we'll do a second season. I'm like, no, just let things be. Give the creator, you know, the freedom to do something else, because then you can go from the creator of this yep. and like and let them do something else instead of forcing something like Big Little Lies season two. I didn't even watch because I was like the first season to me was enjoyable enough i don't need more I'm so like, that I, is such a perfect example of yeah. what we're saying and now having said that i enjoyed the hell out of oh, season did you two. i just I did. didn't even watch but I'm, I, I'm with you that you don't need to watch it yeah. you really don't because season one was such a great moment that like yeah. kind of did everything it had to but yeah season two it is a perfect example of like you could continue the story but do you need to yeah but there's the flip side of is it a, such a bad thing? Like maybe that show's not a perfect ex- like Big Little Lies, not on the Watchmen level. No, for me, no, no, so. no, no, no. <laughs> and Watchmen is one that you could easily continue. But I'm glad that they're kind of just like, yeah. you know what? We left it where it is. I did my piece, and I'm sure they'll revisit it eventually. Totally. And like same with Lost, and everything gets revisited eventually. But um, but with Watchmen too, like you could argue that it isn't a standalone because it is a sequel already that's to already the comics fair. or yeah. whatever. So yeah, but we know what we're talking about. The talent is there. This yeah. man. And his team can tell a story. Yeah, exactly. 
Um, moving on to trailers, Tim, uh, we don't need to go over. I put a metric shit ton. I'll cover a lot of it with Eric when he's back next week. Is there anything out of this list of trailers that you wanted to touch on before we kind of go into the news quickly before you got to bounce? Um, well, the Dune trailer, I just want to say I am making the choice to not watch. Adam trailer. Love that. Dune, Dune is a movie that I am very excited for because of everything we were just talking about, about creators and every team member that i've heard being a part of that film all the actors all the actors the entire thing i'm just like i'm sold it looks incredible I, Tim. everyone has talked about dune being this like amazing thing i i don't really know anything about it neither I've do seen, i i'm in the same boat as you like so I, i'm just kind of like why just i want to go to the movie and just let it take me over that is definitely a theater movie i will not be looking at my phone i'm gonna allow myself (laughs) to be completely in it um so i am not checking out that trailer by choice we saw Um, 20 minutes of it i went to that uh press preview or whatever that they kind of had and i I didn't know they were going to show us that much because i was kind of in the same boat as you where i'm like eric uh, comes from a different angle where he's read the book he's seen the david lynch movie he knows everything about dune i'm like i don't fucking know anything but i love denny villeneuve i'm like i'm in um and we went and they're like well we're gonna show you the first 10 minutes and another action sequence and i was like what i thought you were just gonna show us the new trailer in imax or something but um i won't give anything away but like uh-huh. the 20 minutes we saw was fucking spectacular and it was full frame imax like uh, and it was just i'm like holy shit this looks fucking awesome even though i have no idea what's going on um so anyways i i I don't think it gives away too much because i i guarantee the movie will be over two and a half hours and it's so dense that like afterwards i'm like i still don't really understand i'm like the easiest way i describe it to someone in like the simplest of terms which probably makes me sound like an idiot is like it feels like game of thrones and star wars kind of put together i mean and cool. then like and then i'm like that's the easiest way i describe it to people and people there it's probably way deeper than that and people who are huge fans of dune will be like it's so much more than that but like uh i'm pumped man i can't wait for that movie uh and then going through the rest of this stuff here i also have not seen the house of gucci trailer but i, I know <laughs> people have have thoughts on it have, what what are your takes um I love Ridley Scott. I mean, talking about, you know, Blade Runner and, you know, Alien and all of his early bangers. But like, I feel like um, I don't know which Ridley Scott we're getting. He has two movies this year, Last Duel and uh, House of Gucci. Both look ridiculous in different ways. Um, I don't know. Like if it's going for camp, I can see why people, um, you know, are into it. If you're going as this is like this. Uh, you know, uh, drama, this Oscar movie. Like, I just don't see that because everyone, it's just a bunch of rich Hollywood actors playing rich people with Italian accents and they're all really bad, corny sounding Italian accents. So like, I I did not think the trailer looked super good, but I could see someone coming from that angle of being like, I'm here for that kind of ridiculous campiness of this whole thing and kind of being into it for that reason. But it didn't really land with me. And I was like, I don't know, Ridley Scott to me hasn't made, you know, since 2015, since the Martian maybe was his last really great movie. And, um, cause I didn't dig the last alien movie and I'm even someone who defends Prometheus, which was before that. But, um, I don't know. I just don't know what Ridley Scott we're going to get. And, um, and to the, to me, the accents were really throwing me off and it just looked super campy to me, but yeah. Um, and then moving on, looking down this list, uh, Ghostbusters afterlife. I, I am very stoked. I thought that trailer was, was fantastic. Um, I think that there's some elements in it that make me a little hesitant for what this final movie is going to be. Like the scenes of the little, 
the the state park guy like the marshmallows what you were saying looks like an ad and i totally agree with you it does you know yeah like a walmart commercial or something like that and and not just because there's product placement i'm not one of those people that gets upset i'm not either i actually like like it as long as it's not too ridiculous like i'm fine put it in you're in the real world show me real products i don't care yeah exactly and I, i you know i I think that a lot of times when people are just like, oh, the product placement was egregious, it's more just like, well, you just noticed it. So you're just like talking about it because you noticed a thing, you observed a thing, and it's just like people feel the need to comment on everything that they notice and see. And I say that knowing full well that that's all that I do for a living. Oh, so I'm sure. not, I'm yeah, not yeah. throwing shade anyway. anyway. Yeah. I'm just saying like, it's like, okay, yeah, cool. There you you notice they were drinking you can a Pepsi. Complain about. Yeah, exactly, <laughs> exactly. Um, but I so for me that it's not so much the marshmallows, it's more the like way Look the scene it. looked yeah. and, and yeah. everything. And some of the ghosts kind of like the action-y scenes, I was just like, this just seems like too much. Um, but I, I don't even I don't know why I'm focusing so much on the negative. No, I think it, that the tone of it looks fantastic. Yeah. And I just watched Jungle Cruise in theaters a couple of days ago, and they played the first. Ghostbusters Afterlife trailer before it. And uh, it's been a while since I've seen that. And seeing the two together, I'm like, man, they're really doing something special with this movie. And I'm so happy that at least so far, it looks to be the best Ghostbusters sequel we could possibly get. They actually care about this. No, I agree. And um, I kind of, when I logged onto Twitter that morning, and that's not a great place to see, you know, all the hot takes of people kind of dunking on this trailer. And I'm like, I don't know. I think it is doing the Force Awakens or Jurassic World kind of thing. But like, I don't think that's the worst thing in the world. Like there is a group of people that, you know, Ghostbusters is very special to them. And why? Why shouldn't it have the same treatment as Star Wars and Jurassic World? And say what you want about either of, you know, how the Jurassic World sequels have gone or how the Star Wars sequels have gone. I I, I feel like the one thing I heard from people is like, well, it doesn't look very funny. And I'm like, I don't know if the first Ghostbusters was really like, I know it had a lot of comedic actors and had funny moments, but like, I still don't know. I know it was a comedy, but I think we'll get that. I think it's just in the marketing. Um, and I know Gary Widow, when you guys did your reacts, he had a really interesting kind of perspective on it. And I encourage everyone to go watch uh, your reacts of being like, it's it's tough to have to hit that market of, you know, the people who grew up with Ghostbusters and introducing it to a whole new, uh, you know, group of kids or people. And I think they're kind of doing a good job of of nailing both of those sides. And like, I'm like, I'm in like, I, I you get Paul Rudd and Carrie Coon, speaking of the, uh, of uh, the leftover and like uh i'm i'm into this and like i think it'll be kind of a a a fun time and you get the whole cast back from the original mostly supposedly so i'm pumped man yeah totally um you guys did a venom let there be carnage reacts you guys can check that out too uh yeah you know i I don't have too much more to say that's unique or interesting here i I think everyone's kind of on the same page we're all on the same page i think most people are on the same page which just like you know it's unfortunate and i think that uh if you're a fan of the mcu which at this point is the majority of the world it seems uh this is kind of a bummer you know we want to see these characters done correctly and uh, i do think unfortunately we're hitting a point where when the sony universe um uses these characters and storylines that means there's less of a chance we're going to see it anytime soon done correctly uh in the mcu and you know that's because of licensing things but even otherwise right like you know we had the dark phoenix saga done poorly twice now on the x-men side so is the MCU ever going to tackle that? Are they even going to try? It's going to be a while, I and, think. Yeah, and, and that's the thing. And it's like not that they need to, you know. Like there's so many stories they can tell, but it just sucks that things are being soured. And and I think that it sucks that Carnage looks like it's it's going to be soured. Venom's already yeah. been soured, and 
And because um, Venom's such a cool character too, that you at least for us growing up in the nineties, yeah. like I loved Venom, like and I loved Spider Man, obviously, and just seeing that already once in the Spider Man three, not done so greatly and then mm-hmm. now seeing a, a, an old movie that i'm kind of just indifferent on more than anything like i don't even have strong feelings on the first venom movie but i'm with you that it's just like you just want it now to be like all right we've built up the mcu into something that like why you have cool characters that are over here but sony kind of wants to latch onto them and do their own thing which i get but yeah it just kind of you know Th- this is a podcast all to itself, but like I, I care deeply about this and and the, yes. the Marvel oh, superhero yeah. movies. And so for me, I'm, I'm kind of with you where it's like, I don't think Venom's the worst movie I've ever seen. I actually think that it's decent compared to a sure. lot of the superhero movies that we've had. However, I just think that that is a statement that's more like out of time and, and place because – I don't say that compared to MCU movies. I yeah. think it's worse than every single so, MCU yeah, movie. Yeah, same, same. Um, but it's like that. So we're just in a different era. So in some ways, it's like kind of fun to have like these like other things that are just like more fun to make fun of for how bad they are, and right. instead of like actually being good. I just wish that wasn't Venom, and I wish it wasn't you know Spider-Man Marvel characters. characters we could be using in the MCU. exactly. Yeah. It's just like you know I I could care less about Morbius, but like even saying that, it's like I wish that wasn't the truth, and if. MCU was doing Morbius, I would have full faith that I'm going to end up loving it. I don't know shit about the Eternals, really, but I know that you have faith in Kevin Feige. Yeah, yeah. And it's like you know, I, I think I care more about the the political ramifications of these movies and characters being used uh, outside of the MCU than I actually do the quality of these movies. Like watching this trailer for this movie, I laughed multiple times watching the trailer, and it's like. Not not because of the jokes, because I'm laughing at how sure. bad the dialogue is, but I'm like, I'm kind of okay with that it, for certain things because it's like, I am I just want a good experience. Like yeah. old, M. Night Shyamalan's old is a perfect yeah. example to <laughs> yeah. me. Like yeah. that, was, that was a bad movie, but like I had a great a time, fun time watching yeah. it, yeah. you know? Um, but when it comes to, to Venom and, and Morbius and, and all that stuff, like seeing Michael Keaton's Vulture yeah, in the Morbius trailer yeah. and all this. But it's then like, the Raimi Spider-Man on the wall. And then you assume that that's going to tie into the multiverse stuff that that was probably with the deal they made with Tom Holland to come back and Sony being like, well, we want to use him in our Spider-Verse stuff. Uh, I'm assuming that was the carrot they dangled there of going like, all right, we'll let him come back for however many movies he signed on for. And I'm sure they'll continue to do that. But you also have to kind of tie it into this multiverse thing that we have our own area over here where he can also pop up over here. Because I really do believe he'll probably pop up at the end of Venom or at in something. And we'll go, what the fuck does that mean? And then it'll tie into this multiverse stuff. So it won't be MCU. It'll be its own thing, but it, it will still kind of be canon because it ex- i mean i don't know who the dude, fuck knows, look, but. and here's my thing is it's like <laughs> this isn't the ultimate reality but yeah. it is a, a reality that i would rather have than not at this point these sony movies are going to continue to happen yeah. like there's just we're, we're not going to have a world unless sony actually sells to apple we're not going to have a world where or Spider-Man's sells back spider-man to disney they never will, they, they i don't do think they will because like, it's their thing biggest is, thing <laughs> exactly exactly i think there's a much bigger chance of them selling to apple which if they do sell to apple spider-man goes back that's just how oh, that is that how the deal is like if they out. sell to someone else then the rights revert they, back the rights okay. to spider-man reverts back so that, okay best that case is scenario best, <laughs> that's best case scenario uh for for us right um but i don't know if they'll ever do that because i think they also lose james bond if they do that like so what do they have well, at a certain is point? bond did they already lose because of the mgm deal to amazon so like but I, that gets complicated because the broccoli's own bond so complicated <laughs> Yeah, but when it comes to the yeah. Marvel movies, right? Yeah, I 
having watched Loki and spoilers a little bit, I don't know if we can talk about like I'm just where we're at currently in the MCU. Yeah, right? yeah, 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 with yeah. everything that's been shown, been yeah. been revealed. Like that we're dealing with multiverse stuff, and clearly Doctor Strange, Multiverse of Madness, Spider Man No Way Home. We're going to be dealing with this in some way. I and seeing Vulture, Michael Keaton's Vulture in uh, Morbius, but like Morbius also having the Sam Raimi stuff, and and you know like all these different hints. I am super down. Of course, this isn't the reality I'd prefer, but I'm super down to just get more of these stories and their variants. This is yeah. a side story. Who gives a fuck? The multiverse could be anything at this exactly, point. Exactly, yeah. The Fox X-Men movies, the uh, Raimi Spider-Man, yeah. the Amazing Spider-Man, they're all just variants. The MCU is what really matters. St- stick with the main, the sacred, sacred timeline, timeline. There you go. <laughs> if, you, if you really want. And the sacred timelines kind yeah. of like the things they deal with. So everything can be movies. canon now. Yeah, it's just like. But like there's going to be levels of canon. And sure. sure, that makes things messy. And that's when comic books like really start to get shitty but it's like i would much rather the excitement of tom holland potentially showing up in venom than to not have that and have it just be a shitty venom movie yeah uh which i don't know everyone's going to agree with me on that but here's what i'm throwing out i don't want to see tom holland yeah at, at, in the post credits for see uh, one of the other spider-man i want to see andrew garfield yeah man. i can like, see that. how dope would it be if then sony starts to create its own little universe of these variant spider-man whatever in this world, right? Yeah. And it's like, cool, then we're just getting more of a thing that we would have never gotten otherwise. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And no, I'm with I'll you. I'll take yeah. more Spider-Man stories telling dopes. And that makes the most sense because you've already done Venom in the Raimi-verse. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. you haven't done Venom in the Garfield-verse. So why not have that character tie into that? And then you leave it open that maybe you get the Tom Holland version of Venom and somehow in the, I don't know, in the MCU or whatever. But And I, I think we're planting, we're at a point with superhero movies and I know we're running out of time so we might not get to all of the news and stuff, but that's fine. I'll talk about it with Eric next week. Because um, I'm fascinated to talk MCU with you, but like we're at a point where audience are starting to get that kind of stuff because I feel like before you would just, yeah, confuse people. They go, what the fuck is happening? Like, I don't know. Does this movie tie into this? But I think Loki has done such a great job even leading into this and then up to the new Doctor Strange movie and the next Spider-Man that I feel like people will understand. I mean, mainstream, like the hardcore people like us, we're going to know what a multiverse is and we'll be kind of open to it. But I mean, like my mom loves the MCU. Um, She's rewatched the MCU, I think the last two years and it's the happiest I've ever I it's love so, that. That's it's so, so cool. amazing. And I text with her all the time, but she still doesn't necessarily, you know, the hardcore stuff of getting yeah. which movies are canon, which aren't. She's like, what ones do I have to watch? And and stuff like that. And I'm hoping shit like this will kind of teach a mainstream audience without it being like too convoluted. And I think, you know, the MCU's proven us for over a decade now that they're able to kind of um, you know, take something that you know, you wouldn't think would work with a mainstream audience and then teach them comic booky things and then make it very mainstream. And we're seeing multiverse. We'll see it pop up in invincible and we'll see it pop up in like all, I think multiverse stuff in, um, flash. Oh, yeah. The flash has already done it. Right. So, no, oh, I mean, in flashpoint, the movie coming out, yeah. I'm talking the CW show already did it. And then, yeah. Uh, which I don't watch, but the yeah Flashpoint movie with Michael Keaton coming back up and talking about Michael Keaton and multiple multiple multiverses, but um, yeah, it's exciting. And I, again, talking about where you know the state of cinema will be in the next five years, I'm like, I'm so excited to see where the next five years of the MCU and stuff goes to. I mean, what, what's so interesting to me about it is this idea of the TV shows working in tandem with the movies, and you know, there's pros and cons to it all. And like at the end of the day, I just believe in Kevin Feige and the team, and I believe in the MCU, and they've given me no reason not to right like everything that they've done has been um honestly like like the best that 
is imaginable for what we've seen from these superhero projects. And they are building this world, universe, multiverse mm-hmm. of, of stories and characters that can kind of interweave together. And I think that we're about to see a whole new foray in a couple of weeks with What If. Like, yeah. as What If comes out, breaking into animation, this whole new territory for, for Marvel Studios. But it is still canon to, to Marvel Studios in a way that Three months ago, it wouldn't have been because yeah. Loki didn't break open the multiverse. But yeah. now, all of a sudden, these what-if stories, they're all variants of things that we're familiar with, and the audience is going to understand that. I think what we are going to see a lot of – I remember in 2013 um, being on podcast and having countless conversations about superhero fatigue. I'll never forget that random Tuesday that Kevin Feige invited uh, the press right. to come to the the um, the Chinese theater, I think it yeah, was, yeah. Um, in L.A., and announced Phase 3 and showed the, the run-up of movies leading to Infinity War and what would end up being Endgame, right? Mm-hmm. And that was such a special moment, and that was hot off the heels of DC doing the same thing uh, the June of that year, yeah, where they gave their whole slate that some has happened, some hasn't, some has changed, whatever. But the, yeah. the point is there was a, like, let's say there was like 20 superhero movies announced over the course of the next five years. Yeah. And everyone's like, oh, this is too much. Not everyone. There was a lot of people saying this is too much. There's no way that this can sustain. The opposite has happened where it's only strengthened and the quality of those movies, undeniably, phase three of MCU yeah. was better than any previous phase. I agree. Just straight the fuck up, like yeah. pound for pound, movie by movie, and the entire phase as a whole. And we're now moving into a point where it's like, sure, a lot of the DC movies weren't so great. And sure, there were like some misses along the way, but that didn't halt or hold back the successful ones at all. Right? I think it's actually made them better moving forward because they gave their filmmakers more freedom and they kind of started to go, okay, let's just make good movies. We don't need yes. everything to tie in together. Just yes. let's make good movies. And I think Marvel, even after phase two, because I think Age of Ultron was that point when it first came mm-hmm. out. I remember people going, and even I like was like, ah, it was cool. This feels like Avengers one. It's fine. It's more like, Avengers. Yeah. And then I think phase three is what got its hooks back into me. And I think you guys, that's when you did MC and review and like and that's when everyone i feel like the mcu became the mcu in phase three where it started to become bigger than you know what those first two phases were and leading into that end game um of things and just became this massive massive thing and they and it is about you know giving your filmmakers more freedom and they learn from john favreau being frustrated and i mean joss whedon whatever mm-hmm. but like and they learn from that and hiring more interesting people and going all right let's tell some really interesting things it can all tie in together um and well, you know, Kevin Feige will insert himself when he needs to, but just make a good movie. Yeah. See, that's what's really interesting to me because you know uh, the lead up to Avengers was like incredibly exciting. Oh Avengers yeah. One, and yeah. when it when the movie happened and was as good as it was and accomplished what it did, it was like holy shit. Yeah. This is the first time we've really had this type of crossover movie yeah. of like multiple franchises coming together in this way. We've had things like Alien vs. Predator sure, and whatever, yeah, yeah. but like, this was different. This is like a narrative story that wasn't like just an event movie for event movie's sake. It was like, no, this is what we've been building to story-wise and character development-wise. Mm-hmm. And then for immediately to follow that up with Iron Man 3, I remember watching the movie, and I'm an Iron Man 3 supporter. Like, I, I know, must thank you. I love Iron Man 3. Yeah, it has its issues. Yes, and like, sure. In my opinion, the Mandarin twist is not one of the issues. No, the issue I like is the more the, the third act like CG bullshit and giving uh, pepper superpowers for no reason and like, it's so unfortunate after because i think the air force one uh sequence is fucking awesome it's when fucking awesome and then it kind of yeah fumbles in the last act but yeah but. the idea of the iron legion of iron man yeah. having a bunch of armors coming to fight sure, with him like yeah. how was that not cool i can't believe that somehow that was not cool <laughs> like 
it's unfortunate. And I will say that even as much as people shit on Iron Man 3, I really do that. I think that that was one of the first times that they gave a Marvel movie to a filmmaker like Shane Black and Shane Black made a Shane Black movie and love it or hate it. I mean, they let him make his movie. And I feel like then you started to see that trickle through with the rest of the MCU. And and so th- this is a point that I want to uh, take a little bit further to where we're at now is that when I watched that movie, it was I remember leaving the theater and even though I liked it and even though I am a, a, t- a Iron Man 3 supporter, yeah. I remember leaving being like, oh, but it didn't really progress the story too That's, much. Yeah. Like it didn't really progress the universe. And that to me was the turning point where Avengers taught us that these movies need to progress the universe sure, story yeah. or as else well as, it's filler. Yeah, in yeah. the same way that we look at TV shows and if an episode doesn't progress the main plot, we're like, ah, it was a filler episode. And we're just now looking at movies that way. I know, so yeah. we've just been been trained this, this new way of like consuming the content, which has its pros and cons for sure. But you apply that to where we're at now and I think we're in a really interesting place where where gone are the people being like, when superhero fatigue gonna set in, this is way too much, blah, blah, blah. It is now replaced by, oh, WandaVision was inconsequential because it didn't fully change yeah. everything and it didn't yeah. change the universe. And oh, Falcon and Winter Soldier, like, eh, whatever. And, but oh, but Loki, Loki's the one. Yeah, and it's like, yeah. no, 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 guys, that's the wrong message. We need all of these to be able to exist in in tandem Mm -hmm. not every movie not every show has to be universe multiverse defining some of them need to be smaller things and that's why i really like with where what we've had phase four so far we've clearly seen there's the multiverse saga being built out Mm -hmm. and there's also this power broker storyline and and the uh potential thunderbolts or whatever uh uh yeah Maybe the uh, spy side of things, yeah. Um, Julia Louise Dreyfus. Oh, right, uh, Val, character. Val. With, with Val. Like yeah. that stuff going on with the through line that we're clearly seeing build between um, Falcon and Winter Soldier, Black Widow. Yeah. The more and, espionage side of things. And then you get the Hawkeye. more cosmic multiverse side of things is the two kind of different things they seem to be playing with. Yeah, exactly. So I like that we're getting these multiple kind of levels going. And then in addition – the kid, like young Avengers is like slowly yeah. being trickled through, but it's just like, I, it bums me out to see people kind of not enjoy some of the shows as much because they're not changing the game, even though they're really adding a lot to character and they're really doing a lot with what, with what they have. Yeah. I'm very excited in Shang-Chi because I don't understand where that fits. I don't either. Yeah. Right. That's going to be the first one where it's like it's street level. Right. But there is mystical, magical elements. But and there's some sort of tournament where abomination is going to be there and characters from and like what other characters could be in that tournament. Like and that seems to be in Madripoor and like so I'm with you. I love the world building that they do. And I don't think everything needs to be, you know, fuck, we're moving the story completely towards this one end game. We're kind of going in a different thing now. And I like that they're playing with genre and they're playing with other things. And we'd be like, okay, superhero fatigue, we know that might be a thing. Let's try to make these things feel yes. unique and different. Like we can play with subgenres mm-hmm. underneath superhero now where they can be about grief or they can be a spy show or they can be this weird thing where you have an animated clock character pop up and everyone's okay with it. Everyone's like, just like, oh multiverse yeah, cool. stuff. And like you can play with like, I want to see MCU movies and just like a murder mystery like we were talking about or something like this. Like just play with different genres within that universe and sure add in little puzzle pieces that will ultimately go to where we know whether it's secret wars or wherever they're going to go next um like it's yeah there's no one doing it like them and they've kind of just nailed it but um tim i know you got a bounce so uh everyone i'll do the news with eric next week i know we didn't cover unfortunately the scarlett johansson um suing disney and that's a whole nother conversation that i don't think we can squeeze in in a couple minutes uh my quick thoughts there is like 
you know, I understand get paid. You have a contract. If someone breaks it, um, I understand that, but I also don't feel really sympathetic towards anyone in that situation. Really. I mean, my, my quick thoughts on it yeah. are, I think we just spent two hours talking yeah. about, uh, the ramifications and the reality of, of the, yeah. the situation. And if I had to, to guess, I don't think that Disney are the bad guys or that Scarlett Johansson that I'm on, is the yeah. bad guy. I think there's just realities that she needs to fight for herself yes. and her team needs to defend, uh, her contract and, and stand for that because you have to do that. Agree, but on the yeah. other side, there is a reality of where we're at and had that movie only went to theaters. What would it, in this world, what mm-hmm. would the box office be? And the fifty million that they claim yeah. that she would have got, would she have? Would it have hit those yeah. numbers? I don't know. But I just think that all these are conversations that have to happen, and, and they should have happened before. Like that's my biggest thing is they probably should have went and renegotiated, saying we have to do this. And I think that was the same thing with the HBO Max stuff. Is like the biggest problem here is I think they're not going to their talent or their filmmakers yep. beforehand, and they're just making decisions without them. That's not saying that they won't ultimately just make that decision anyway. It's kind of of like I'm telling you we're doing this not asking you to do this but we need to kind of figure out a solution so a shit show like this doesn't happen see from what I understand though they did go to oh, her yeah? and, and negotiate a at least with the Disney Plus premiere stuff a, yeah. a type of royalty situation so it's like Oh, they it's did. a sticky okay. situation. Yeah, okay. You know what I mean? Yeah. So it's just like I, I I and it's getting ugly, which is unfortunate, but I'm sure they'll settle outside of court I think it has to. Like, I, I think that it's yeah. good. I, I think that it because like this, it's not just Scarlett Johansson. This was oh, just Emma kind Stone's of like now popping up too. Exactly. Yeah, and right. and then um um I'm blanking on who it was, but other people are as well. Mm-hmm. Uh coming forth and like even talking about older movies, just being like, hey, this is a problem. I never got what I yeah. was owed. Denny so. Villeneuve had a huge problem with Dune going to 100%. HBO Max. So it's 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 a thing because kind of bringing our conversation full circle is that everything's changing. changing. So like the studios need to work with their talent on going, Hey guys, like this is the reality of the situation. This is where we think we're headed. Like, yes, contracts will have to change because of that. And then we'll have to kind of work in compensation and with budgets going down or up or whatever, Mm -hmm. like you've got to work that in with everyone. So ugly shit like this doesn't happen, but we'll go into it in more detail uh, next week. Tim, uh, thank you so much for doing this, man. This was a blast. The time flew by. I, I could talk for another three hours, I think. But I could too, man. Um, I love talking to you, whether it's in the DMs about movies yeah. or, or on shows like this. And can't wait to have you next week for our Green Knight review over I, on Kind of Funny. Appreciate that. I can't wait to do that as well. Uh, where can people find you? Plug whatever you would like right now. You can find me at Tim Gettys, T-I-M-G-E-T-T-Y-S on everything, Twitter, Instagram, and all that stuff. And on YouTube, Kind of Funny, Kind of Funny Games. Uh, put out a whole bunch of podcasts about any nerd stuff you could ever possibly want or not want. Yes, I really, I mean, you guys have heard me talk about it many times on our shows, but uh, their in-review series is uh, one of my favorite things uh, on the internet. I just love following along with you guys and kind of, you guys are doing Pixar right now, right? Mm-hmm. And then, so you guys are continuing that massive undertaking. Um, <laughs> uh, I think, what are you guys doing? You're recording a new Pixar one today, right? Uh, today, later today, we will be doing Cars, Cars 3. Okay, cool. <laughs> uh, in review. And then uh, later this week, our Suicide Squad in review oh, for yeah. the DCEU will hell be yeah, man. making its appearance. Amazing. Well, thank you again. Uh, as always, everyone, my name is Matt Rohrbeck. You can find my work around the internet, but mostly at untitledmoviepodcast.com. And you can follow me on all of those social medias at Matt Rohrbeck. If you like this show, uh, we have another show I would love for you guys to check out, Untitled Movie Reviews, uh, similar to Kind of Funny Reactions, where Eric and I, uh, each week, multiple episodes, uh, review new release film and TV shows, You know, under 20 minutes, bite-sized podcast episodes. So please go check that out. We have tons of new reviews up right now. 
now. Uh, Conversations is our other show. You guys can check out episodes with Joey Noel and and Nick Scarpino that are up there. Uh, if you want some more kind of funny content over on Untitled, uh, please go follow us on Letterboxd, Untitled Podcast. Our HQ is there. So everything you would want about our podcast is over on our Letterboxd HQ. So all of our personal profiles, ratings, lists, uh, all that kind of thing, rankings, all that kind of stuff. And then Untitled underscore cast on all those uh, other social medias. Uh, Tim, thank you again. Can't wait till next week. And uh, until next time, everyone, take it easy.